0: The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The text for our meditation this morning are the words that were read for you earlier from our scripture readings. Which, by the way, I do want to let you know that following the service, I will be leading a Bible study on John 12, which was the gospel that we heard at the back of the church, the processional gospel, that talks about Palm Sunday. And we're going to look at the context, what happened in John chapter 11 and after that. So if you want to join us on the lower level following this, feel free to do so. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you for bringing us here this day and reminding us of why Jesus pursued the cross for us and for our neighbor, who is yet to hear, who is yet to believe in him as their Lord and Savior. So bless our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it was pretty exciting to see that processional, right? You can imagine what it was like in Jesus' day. And as I said before, those palm branches were like bushes on the side of the road, which for us is certainly not what it's like here in Minnesota. But if you go to California, Florida, just as was mentioned, you're going to see palm branches probably much more prevalent than they are here. What took place that particular day was something very important. It began... An important week in the life of Jesus and in your life and in mine as well. The people of Jesus' day knew something was special. There was a battle, in fact, that was going on. But the people of Jesus' day didn't really understand quite what that battle was, what kind of a king he truly was. They wanted him to be the kind of king they expected him to be. And so it was that Jesus entered into Jerusalem, just like King David entered into Jerusalem on a donkey. That's how royalty would enter into Jerusalem a lot different than we think of today as a king who would come mounted on a stallion, majestic and powerful. But this is how a king in Jewish history would enter into Jerusalem. They would wave the palm branches as one who was victorious. And so the people of Jesus' day were actually quoting what king david had written in psalm 118 it's what we refer to as a messianic psalm it's a psalm that told us looked forward to the day when the messiah would indeed come and listen to the words that david wrote in psalm 118 yahweh hosanna yahweh is hebrew for lord hosanna as the kids said Everybody got what it means? Tell me what it means. Hosanna, save us now. So, Lord God, save us now. That was the cry. And Psalm 118 goes on. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. Now that's what we heard, something very similar to what the people said said, as John has recorded in our gospel reading, right? So they're saying, here's the Messiah. He's coming. Lord, save us. Save us. Save us from those Romans. Bring in, usher in this kingdom like David once had, powerful and mighty. Please save us and save us now. The people also believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and Jesus also fulfilled what the prophet Zechariah said the Messiah also would do. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt. Jesus looked like a king for them, didn't he? Riding in on a donkey, the people putting down their cloaks, and they ended up having these palm branches. And the words from Psalm 118, the messianic message was spoken. He's the one. But he probably wasn't the kind of king. In fact, he wasn't the kind of king they were expecting. That's why John tells us the disciples didn't really understand until after Jesus was glorified, until after Jesus ascended into heaven. But Jesus had a much better knowledge of why he was here, of why God had sent him into this world. He knew why God had him conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Why he would suffer on the cross under Pontius Pilate, and why he would, in fact, die. God the Father had Jesus pursue the cross, even though it would cost him his life, because God the Father wanted you and your neighbor who is yet to believe in Jesus to be saved from the horrors and punishment of hell and separation from God forever and ever. Yes, Jesus was a different kind of a king. He was a king who, in fact, would fight a different kind of battle later on that week. Jesus is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And that's why Jesus allowed himself to fight a spiritual battle against Satan and all of his forces, not out on a battlefield, but on a cross, where he seemed to be so helpless. Where we can imagine Satan and those religious leaders jeering and celebrating. We finally get rid of this guy. He's going to be toast." Everything is going to be great when he dies. Everything's going to be so good. And on the cross, we hear Jesus crying out as he's enduring the spiritual battle. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God. Why do I have to go through the suffering, the punishment, carrying the sins of all the people for all time? Why do I have to endure this here on this cross? Why do I have to be abandoned by you? Shortly after that, Jesus spoke those words. It is finished. The battle is over. Satan was defeated. The sacrifice was paid for all time with his life, with his blood, for all the things that you and I and our neighbors who are yet to believe have done and will do and what we haven't done he paid that price for us totally and completely in full that's what the words it is finished truly mean It's good news for us. It's good news for our neighbor. And we need to remember that. And we need to live it. But we also don't want to forget what our Lord wants us to do, what our Lord expects us to do today. You see, he knows we are sinners. He knows we fall short. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't expect us to be perfect. Yeah, that's right. He expects us to be perfect. He still expects it. He still expects it. We don't get off so easy and say, Well, I'm saved and therefore I don't have to do anything. No. He expects us. Yes, He expects us to do good. He expects us to know we need a Savior, we need a Messiah. And the good news is he came and he lived for you and he died for you and he paid the price for your sins today and every day. And he doesn't want us to forget it. He doesn't want us to forget it. You see, Jesus pursued the cross to save us and our neighbor, our neighbor who is yet to believe in him. You see, we need Jesus. We need Jesus to pursue the cross to save us and our neighbors who are yet to believe in him. That's why Jesus pursued the cross. And perhaps one of the most helpful things for us to know as brothers and sisters in Christ is that Jesus came to restore the kingdom of God To bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it once was before Adam and Eve sinned. Yeah, God indeed wants Jesus to restore. And it's kind of like what happens when you throw a rock into a pond and the ripples just continue to go out. God is continuing to work to restore the kingdom, it's happening. It's happening again and again. And the ripples continue to go out and out. It's kind of like yeast being put into a loaf. The yeast is there. It continues to go out and out and fill up that loaf of bread so that it is totally raised when it comes out of the oven. And so it is those things, the ripples, the yeast will take place totally and completely when Christ returns in all of his glory. But until he does, he invites us to join him on his mission. And inviting us to join Jesus on his mission simply means he's already working in people's lives. He's already working in people's lives, especially the people who are yet to hear and believe in him, in ways that you and I don't understand. But Jesus pursued the cross to save them just as much as he pursued the cross to save us. We are blessed with this gift of faith. We are blessed because he gave it to us so that we can know that we are saved not by what we do, but by what he has done for us. We are saved by knowing that we can come to him and confess our sins and know that he is here to forgive, and he's here to help each and every one of us to tell other people the good news. Some of you may be here today for the first time hearing about Jesus and why he loves you and how he died for you. And I pray, if you are, that we can help you to know more And understand what that means. Because Jesus wants all of us to live with him forever. He wants all of us right now at this time, in this place, to know we're forgiven for all of our sins. And we're loved by him and equipped by him to love our neighbors as we are loved by our Lord and our Savior. One of the things we are working on as a church is to learn how we can be better neighbors to our neighbors. We, can believe, we believe we can do that by joining Jesus on his mission, by praying. That's what it starts with, is by praying. Praying and asking Jesus to help us to get to know our neighbors better. By getting to know them better as our friends and or being able to wave at them and just at least let them know that we're a friendly person and we want to get to know them perhaps later on the theme song to mr roger's neighborhood is so let's make the most of this beautiful day since we're together we might as well say won't you would you be mine could you be mine would you be my neighbor Wanting to get, our na- get to know our neighbors is kind of old-fashioned, right? But there's a lot of people today who want this old-fashioned thing to happen. But a lot of times, people don't even know how to get started to get to know their neighbors. And we are given some great advice about that. Because recently, I read that 53% of Americans... So they have almost no one to talk to. Half of the American people have no one that they can really talk to. I also read that 30% of Americans, almost a third, know none of their neighbors. Some of you know your neighbors. Some of you know them very well. Some of you have wonderful relationships with some of your neighbors, but there's many who don't. Neighbors who live geographically to us, neighbors who we work with or go to school with, neighbors where we go and shop or any other type of opportunity to meet people. I want to encourage you to get to know your neighbors. Greg and Susan Finke have a formula that they call the neighboring formula, which really is there to help us to know how we can get to know our neighbors. We start with unhurried time, and we bring people together. And usually an activity that usually involves some food. And when you do those things together, there's usually going to be some kind of a conversation. And over time, it will result in friendship. When when Greg and Susan Finke moved into their neighborhood in Houston, Texas, they didn't know their neighbors, and nobody came to greet them. So they decided they wanted to get to know their neighbors, so they ended up visiting with somebody across the street, and they decided that they were going to invite 25 families, people along the road that they drove every day. They expected to get about 25 people to come. They said... We'll provide the meat. you bring a dish. That particular day, instead of having 25 people come, they ended up with 85. People gathered. People continued to talk around this food and got to know one another. At 10:30 at night, people were still talking. Now we don't have to go so big but we can get to know our neighbors. There's a lot of different ways for us to do that. And as we get to know our neighbors, we are able to get to know those who want to know more about Jesus, those who are open to learning about Jesus, the people who really don't want to have anything to do with Jesus, but want to be our neighbors and get to have a relationship with us and develop a friendship. The Finkies realized that in, in, in the next couple months, some other neighbors said, we want to invite our neighbors. The next couple months, some more neighbors wanted to have the gathering. And so they've had larger gatherings, they've had smaller gatherings, but people who did not know one another have a much better understanding, much better relationships and friendships. Telling people about Jesus is oftentimes by developing a relationship and a friendship with them first and letting God open up the doors, letting God open up our mouths, our hands, to show them, to share with them the love of Jesus. You see, Jesus pursued the cross for our neighbors just as much as he pursued the cross for you and me. Because God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. May God make it so as we seek to be his witnesses, as we seek to be neighbors to our neighbors. May God bless us as we do. In Jesus' name, amen.